As a free, not-for-profit service, Cradio requires the support of people like you to help keep us going in our mission. To donate, visit cradio.org.au slash donate. Cradio. My soul magnifies the Lord. A talk by Father Anthony Mary Pendergast at the Immaculata Mission School, 2019. So, I want you to think about the first book of the Bible. It's the book of Genesis. You know that? And uh, it says in the book of Genesis that Adam and Eve were in a beautiful garden. This garden, I want you to think about a spiritual garden rather than a physical garden. There was probably a beautiful physical garden, but we want to go spiritual. Um, And this garden... There's a beauty and a harmony. Uh, harmony in the relationship between them, Adam and Eve, and God and each other. There is a fruitfulness in the garden. All types of fruit, flowers, waterfalls, fountains, etc. And uh, God dwells there. So these fruitfulness described in this way, you know, the fruit of all the different types of fruit, I want you to think about spiritual fruitfulness, the fruitfulness of love of all the different virtues which dwelt in Adam and Eve. They loved God perfectly and they loved each other. And the Holy Spirit flowing there is the river of life, the river of water. The river flowing in there is the Holy Spirit flowing. The Holy Spirit dwells there. God dwells there. God reigns there. Love reigns there. There's perfect peace and harmony in this, yes, in the relationship between themselves and God. So God had placed them in this place uh, for a a test in faith. They were to go to heaven. Had they passed this test, uh, and they were gone to heaven without death. There'd be no death. But they were tested. And God wanted them, wanted to reward them for their faithfulness in their test to reward them so that their glory could be greater. The test came in the form of the serpent. The serpent was, of course, Satan, who's a fallen angel. And he tempted them to rebel against God, to eat the forbidden fruit. So don't think too much about the material fruit. There's no apples or bananas or oranges or anything else there. We're speaking spiritually to rebel against God, God had asked them to trust in him, to obey him. God is love, uh, and God is beauty, and God is uh, peace, God is harmony, God is union, everything beautiful, God is everything beautiful in an infinite way. So God had asked them to trust him, to obey him, And in this obedience, they will be led to heaven without death entering into the equation. So God permitted the serpent to come along so to reward them. So the serpent got them to rebel against God. To rebel against God, you have the opposite. When you move away from God, you have the very opposite to love, the opposite to peace, the opposite to beauty. So they're going in their opposite direction from God totally. So they're without God, and sin and suffering enter into the world. 
because of their rebellion against God. So God didn't abandon them. Because remember, there is one definition of God in the Bible, and you know what it is? God is? Love. Where, is it, where do you find that in the Bible? John, John 1 John 4, 8 and 4, 16. It's wise, it gives you in the, it's the beloved disciple which gives you a kind of definition of God. God is love. So God is love, and God does not abandon his creature. God shows his love in a greater way. He manifests his love in an even greater way because of the fall of Adam and Eve. So God makes a promise. God said, Yahweh said to the serpent, I will make you enemies of each other, you and the woman, your offspring and her offspring. It will crush your head and you will strike at its seal. That's Genesis 3.15. The promise of the woman, Mary, and her offspring is... Who's the offspring of the woman, Mary? Jesus. I think you should uh, recognize him <laughs> when you hear him. So, God has created a new garden. The old garden is over. Original sin has destroyed the garden of the soul of sanctifying grace. But God creates a new garden, even more beautiful than the first garden. It's not called even, it's not sorry, it's not called Eden, but it's called the Immaculate Conception. The soul of Our Lady. This is the garden of God. This is the new garden of Eden. It's far more beautiful than the first. A garden of the beloved. The Song of Songs. You know the Song of Songs? Who has read the Song of Songs? It's a very beautiful book. It's this dialogue between the soul and God. If you like, between Mary and the Holy Spirit. So, the Song of Songs says, A garden sealed, double bar, doubly barred, a garden of delight. So the Holy Spirit gives three names to the heart of Mary. First, he said, Mary speaking, she says, let my beloved come into my garden, the garden of our heart, of our soul. The beloved of which she speaks is her son Jesus, the only object of her love. She invites him into the garden of our heart, into our soul, into our virginal heart, into which God was drawn was drawn into her by her humility and her love and her thirst for God. Before the incarnation, God found one creature on this planet Earth who was thirsting for him. You know the thirst of Jesus on the cross? I thirst. It's the thirst for souls, the thirst for the Father and the thirst for souls. Mary had this thirst in her heart for God, for the Word of God. She had such a desire and a hunger and thirst for for the word of God, for God himself, that God becomes incarnate within her. And she carries Jesus, the word of God incarnate within her for nine months. She is the garden of God, where God dwells. The heart of the mother of God is a, a sealed garden. Song of Songs 4.12. The Holy Spirit is speaking here when he says, a sealed garden. The heart is closed against, her heart is closed against two things. 
It's shot against, give me one word, sin. sin. And the devil, she never sinned. She is shot, her heart is shot against the world. The world in the sense that Satan is the prince of this world, in that sense she is shot against this world, totally closed to this world. And all the things of this world, everything that is not of God, her heart is totally closed to it. He alone has access to this garden. There was never a place for anything else in her heart. She's the total possession of God. No shadow of anything else ever could enter. She's barred, doubly barred against everything like that. The Holy Spirit says that she is a garden of delight, the Song of Songs. Her heart is indeed a garden of rapture from the, for the Son of God. So his greatest delight, Jesus, the eternal word, his greatest joy is to come into her heart. For eternity, it's his glory to be in the bosom of the Father. And now after the bosom of the Father, it's his joy to become incarnate in her heart, in her womb, in her person, which is so beautiful. She is the God's masterpiece. God could not have created something greater, something more beautiful than the soul of our Blessed Lady, than the person of our Blessed Lady. The book of Proverbs says that my delight is to be with the children of men. So it's God's joy, his delight to be with us, to dwell in us. And how much more so is it his joy to dwell in our Blessed Lady, this pure soul, this pure rivers of water flowing within her. It's his joy because in our Blessed Mother he found nothing in her but praise, glory, and love more perfect than the angels in heaven. Her soul is, gives more glory to God than all of creation, than any saint, all the saints combined, and the angels in heaven. She's unceasingly given glory and praise and worship to God. So the Word became incarnate in an earthly paradise, prepared by the Father, like heaven from heaven, her virginal heart is so filled with the glory of God, there's nothing else. We cannot imagine the soul of our Blessed Lady. You know, we'd think we saw God if we could see her soul. Of course, there's an infinite distance between her and God, but it so reflects. It's such an icon of the Holy Spirit. If we could see her soul, which we will one day in heaven, one day in heaven we see her soul and our body, we see her beauty. Her radiant beauty will be so overjoyed to see her. And we are already on this earth. So, when the angel said to Mary at the Annunciation, the Lord is with thee. St. Augustine, Augustine says that, the Lord, that Mary conceived Jesus first in her heart before he conceived, she was, he was conceived in her womb. So that's what I'm saying is that in her heart, her heart belongs totally to God, drawing God, drawing God down into her by her littleness. In her, she, there is an abyss of poverty and littleness and humility. And God is attracted by littleness. Satan wanted to raise himself up 
by his pride and God rejects that. God is drawn by littleness and humility and God could not resist the heart of our blessed lady. He's so drawn to her humility. She is the littlest of all of God's creatures. She's the smallest, the most humble. There's an infinite abyss in her littleness and her humility. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. She is the good soil that bears fruit. Saint Bernard of Clairvaux. Have you ever heard of Saint Bernard? Bernard de Clairvaux. He says this about it. Thou art an enclosed garden, a mother of God, wherein we find all kinds of flowers. Among these, we gaze with particular admiration on the violets, thy violets, thy lilies, thy roses, which fill the house of God with their sweetest fragrance. Thou art, O Mary, a coronation of mercy, a double coronation, because thy wondrous heart is filled with mercy, compassion, not only for our corporal infirmity, but still more for our spiritual misery, which is infinitely more painful and complex than our bodily ills can ever be. O Mother of Mercy, have pity on all who are miserable, and especially on those who remain unaware of their misery. That's St. Bernard. So the Virgin Mary never loved anything other than God and all that belongs to God. We belong to God. She loves us. Never desired anything except to please, him, to please God. She feared nothing but to displease God. The heart of the Virgin Mary was truly an earthly paradise in which there was never any war, trouble or discord of any kind, but peace, peace and tranquility and perfect order. In the book of Revelation, chapter 5, I think, it speaks about a sea of glass. Before the throne of God, there is a sea of glass. Is that chapter 4 or 5? Uh, and this sea of glass, this sea of tranquility and sea of peace is a reflection of the soul of our Blessed Lady, this, this ocean of peace in our heart. Combined with ceaseless praise, in her this ceaseless praise and adoration of God, who had established the, his throne in, in her, in the paradise of Mary. In the first garden, God pronounced sentence upon the serpent. The woman shall crush your head and you shall lie in wait for the seal. In the garden of Mary's heart, the promise is fulfilled. Her immaculate heart crushed original sin and her sanctity routed the powers of evil, and our love obtained the end of our death sentence, bringing us the saviour of the world. So for us, death is not death, but the beginning of eternal life. But we must choose. We must choose. This all is a choice for Adam and Eve, and for every human being on the planet, we must choose. So now, Mary, uh, 
you don't hear them mentioned very often in the Gospels. St. Peter, St. Paul uh, speak 150-something times. Mary speaks very little. She's present at key moments in salvation history. In the very important moments, she is there. God passes into this world through her. He acts through her. The incarnation happened because of her, yes, because of her fiat. The angel was sent to her to ask her if she would be the mother of God. And she said, fiat. The apostolic life of Jesus begins with Mary's intercession at the wedding at Cana. They have no more wine. What is this wine? Then again, the Song of Songs says that the word of God is like a wine. Why is it like a wine? Because the word of God gives birth to charity in us, to joy. And wine is, we take wine for a joyful situation. When we're joyful, we drink wine. So the word of God is compared to, we drink water when, for ordinary things. <laughs> so the word of God is compared to wine, a beautiful wine which gives joy to the heart. For 30 years, Mary was with Jesus, receiving from him, receiving, he is the word of God himself, receiving this word from him, listening to him for 30 years, and she received this joy in her heart, everything that Jesus said to her, revealing the depth of scripture, of the book of, of, of Revelation to her. And Mary was filled with joy, listening to Jesus for 30 years. And now she finds there are people, they have no more wine. There is the material wine, but there's something deeper. Because our people, they have no prophets. For hundreds of years, there's no more prophets. Their country has been overtaken by the Roman Empire. They have no joy anymore. Where is God? They've been waiting for a Messiah. Where is he? So at a deeper level, Mary is saying to Jesus, they have no wine, they need you, they need the word of God. They need something deeper than ordinary wine. They need something to give joy to their hearts. And Jesus responds to Mary this enigmatic phrase, woman, what is there between you and I? And Jesus calls her woman. And three times St. John refers to Mary by woman. Normally, a son would call his mother, mother, but not a woman. Then again, you find this word at the cross. Jesus is indicating to her, her new mission. There's something deeper for her. The cooperation between Jesus and Mary, between the new Adam and the new Eve, which will happen at the cross. Already her mission is beginning. It's a hidden mission. But Jesus is indicating to her uh, what he will call her again at the cross. And Jesus, he changes the water into wine. And the water signifies our goodwill. Now, the wine of the new covenant is not simply the word of God. Jesus multiplies like 40 gallons, I don't know what this is, 40 gallons of, of water into wine. He changes water into wine. Totally extravagant. 
They'd already drunk as much as they could. And Jesus gives the best wine. It's totally extravagant. Jesus does things extravagant, like the multiplication of the loaves and fishes. There were baskets left over here. There's so much wine, it's ridiculous. We would say it's a waste. But this wine signifies what? It signifies his blood shed on the cross. The wine of the new covenant is the blood of the lamb that we drink. It's our food and our drink. This is what gives us joy. When we have the Eucharist within us, this is what gives us true joy. So Jesus multiplies the superabundant, superabundance of wine, signifying his blood that will be shed on Calvary. Because St. John said, this is the first sign that Jesus gave. And it happened at the wedding at Cana. St. John never speaks of miracles. A miracle is always a sign of something else, pointing us to something else. Here, this sign is pointing us to the cross. And at the cross, we find the woman, and we find the blood of the lamb shed for us. Every single last drop of blood shed for us. And the woman is there. The new Eve is there. Now, the greatest miracle at Cana is this. What Mary said, what she conveyed to the servants and to us, do whatever he tells you. This is the real miracle that Mary, Mary gives to us. What she wants to happen in us is that we do what he tells us, that we do God's will. And Mary is our mother in helping us to live God's will, to do God's will. That's, what, that's the really deeper meaning at Cana. Now, at Lourdes, anybody been to Lourdes? Mary appeared to Bernadette. Normally Mary appears with the child Jesus in her arms because she is always relative to him. At Lourdes, she appears alone. She appears as queen, basically. You know, in the book of Revelation, you see Mary's mother as queen and one of our, our sister. She's there appearing in her own right. And uh, she appears to Bernadette. Bernadette is fascinated by the gaze of Mary, by the love of Mary, the love in her eyes. And she tells Bernadette to do something which seemed absolutely ridiculous. To scrape away the soil. This is a deep signification. Scrape away the soil and drink from the source. Mary is calling, appeared at Lourdes, calling humanity, calling all of us to something deeper in our lives. Because we live today, especially at a very shallow level, calling us to something deeper and not to remain at the exterior, to go to the hidden source. She teaches us to scrape away the soil from our hearts and which seems crazy. For Bernadette, it seems crazy. You know the story of Lourdes. Bernadette scrapes away the soil. Everybody's laughing at her. There's no water there at all, but there will be. So to go deeper in the word of God, in our lives, and in fraternal charity. To discover the mystery of Mary, of our mother Mary, sent by God. But she, from the exterior, she looks like anybody else. But we have to find Mary, discover the mystery of Mary. That Mary is the hidden source of flowing water. This hidden source of flowing water at Lourdes, 
is the Immaculate Heart of Mary. It's the grace that passes through her. From God, from Christ, through her. All grace passed through her. The Immaculate Conception is the desert of God, the place for us to hide. You know that serpent in the book of Genesis? He comes after us as well. But God has created a place for us to hide from the serpent. That's the Immaculate Heart of Mary. This place which is reserved for God. God wants us to go there to her. Because she is God's masterpiece. She is the perfect fruit of the cross. At Bethlehem, when Jesus is born, Mary holds Jesus in her arms as a little baby. She gives her son to the world at the cross. She accepts the sacrifice of the cross in order to give her son to the world. There's a double fruitfulness at the cross, reflecting the fruitfulness in the Trinity. The, son is big, the Father begets the Son eternally, and the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. At the cross, this is like a Nikon of the Most Holy Trinity. Uh, Jesus represents the Father at the cross. He begets Mary. She's the perfect fruit of the cross. You know in the Magnificat? She says, my soul proclaims the... What is it? My spirit rejoices in God, my... Mary is saved by Jesus by prevenient grace. She is the, the first fruit of the cross. So, Mary cooperating in Jesus, there's a fruitfulness in giving birth to John, mystically, spiritually. So, Mary's uh, fruitfulness at Christmas is joyful. The other fruitfulness at the cross is painful. She dies in her heart as mother of Jesus, according to flesh and blood, and offers up Jesus, gives Jesus back to the Father, and begets John, and begets us. She brings John into the world spiritually, and giving birth spiritually to us. So consecration to Mary, we consecrate ourselves to her, and this consecration takes its signification from the cross. We can put ourselves beside John, John who is there at the death of Jesus. We want to be there at the cross. We want to be faithful. We want to be, be, to be the beloved ones of God. And we want to rest our heads on the heart of Jesus. And we want to receive Mary. So to refuse Mary is indirectly to refuse Jesus. When Jesus says to Mary, Behold your mother, behold your son. John, he says to John, Behold your mother. Uh, John takes her, it says, into himself, into his home. The word in Greek is eastaidit. It's the same word, verb for, for receiving the word of God into you. So Mary, John receives Mary into himself in the same way as he receives the word of God into himself. 
It's not just into his house, but really into himself. She becomes part of him. So to refuse Mary's, indirectly to refuse Jesus. And one of the sufferings of Jesus at the cross was that many of his children would refuse categorically, some of them, some of them to even mention the name of our Blessed Lady. It's a suffering for Jesus as he was dying, leaving this world, and he could see out into the future uh, all those redeemed by his precious blood, that many people would refuse her to receive her as mother. They would refuse to receive from him at the cross his gift to us. You know when somebody is dying, uh, and maybe if you're not there, somebody that you love is dying, you want to know what they said. So we want to know what Jesus said. What Jesus said at the cross to us, behold your mother, as he's leaving this world, he gives her to us to be our mother. And if we don't receive her, it causes, it increases the suffering of Jesus. As a matter of fact, the disciple who re receives Mary as mother is the faithful disciple. If we deny him, abandon him, betray him, we're not there at the cross, so we cannot receive her. It's the disciple who is there to the very end, the disciple which rests his head on the heart of Jesus at the Last Supper, who is faithful at the cross. This is the disciple which receives the last will and testament of Jesus, that receives Mary into his heart. So we want to be the faithful disciples. We want to be with John, beside St. John. We want to hear everything that Jesus said to us as he's leaving this world. He's dying for us, shedding all his precious blood for us. We want to receive everything from him. And we want to receive our Blessed Lady from him so that we can give joy to Jesus. When we receive Mary from Jesus, we give him the joy of receiving her. The book of Genesis said, it's not good for man to be alone. So Jesus looked at John in his solitude and his faithfulness. John was alone of the apostles. So Jesus looks down upon him. And uh, if you are faithful to Jesus, especially in the world today, you can often be alone, in fact, in the world. If you're a, a devout Catholic in your workplace or wherever, you can often be a, a, alone. So, and, and alone in many other ways. And it's often when somebody is alone that Jesus gives us Mary as a gift. Otherwise, you see, we don't need anybody else. People think that they don't need Jesus, they don't need a Redeemer, that they don't need Mary. But often Jesus brings people into this situation where they're alone, and maybe interiorly or something, and then he gives her to us as a gift. Gives her to us to help us to understand that everything he gave her, he also gave to us. All his hidden life is given to us through Mary, his apostolic life is given to us. The secrets of his heart, the heart of Jesus, they're all given to us through Mary. All these secrets that Mary kept in her heart, all of them are given to us. So Mary is the good soil. 
by our consecration, we unite ourselves to Mary in order to be united more intimately with Jesus. She never separates us from God. On the contrary, she helps us to go to him faster. We gain time. We can go on our own. And if we go by ourselves to God, there can be a certain pride. If we go to God through her, to Jesus through her, we can go there with her littleness, her virtues, because she is our mother. Everything that she has and is, is given to us because we are her children. From the time of the cross, John had a greater intimacy with Jesus and with the Father. He is a brother and the beloved son and with the same mother. We have the same mother as Jesus. We are his brothers. He is our God. He is our Savior. And we have the same mother. What a gift to have the same mother. And as a matter of fact, she's such a good mother because she feeds us with the Eucharist. The Eucharist, the flesh and blood of Jesus given to us, he gets from her. And she feeds us with Jesus in the Eucharist. She's a good mother. By our consecration, we give ourselves to Mary, our lives, our will, our intelligence, everything we are and have. And she gives us to him in her image. We are given to Jesus with her contemplation and her charity. So, yes, when we are consecrated to her, we approach God with her charity, with her prayerfulness, with all the glory and praise in our heart, we give to God through her. We place ourselves in her hands, and what she does when she receives us is to hide us in the wound of the heart of Jesus. She hides us in his, the wound of his heart. And that's all she wants. Every time that we say Mary, she hides us in our son. So we say the rosary, 200 Hail Marys, and every single time that you say Mary, 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 she's hiding us, placing us in the heart of our son, which is beating with infinite love for us. That's what's happening in the rosary. Mary is unceasingly placing us in his heart, beating with love, shaping us, transforming us, and uh, making us like Jesus. Jesus was uh, formed in her womb. When she is our mother and we give ourselves to her as mother, she forms the perfect image of Jesus in us, in our soul. So, uh, we should consecrate ourselves to her, uh, consecrate our lives, as I said, everything, our mind, our body, our will, our future, should belong to her. If we belong to her, we belong to God. Faster. Otherwise, it takes a long time we may get there eventually, 
But why not go there fast in the heart of a blessed lady? Consecrate yourselves, your future, your families. Some of you here get married this year. Consecrate your future to her. Whenever I find a couple going out together, not looking at anybody in particular, of course. <laughs> <clears throat> Whenever I meet a couple, they're going out together, are engaged. Uh, I ask them if they've consecrated themselves to Our Lady and uh, explain to them, you know, you can go before the statue of Our Blessed Lady and make an act of consecration. Consecrate your future to her. Consecrate each other to her. And then when they're married and she's expecting a little baby, uh, consecrate the baby to her. Don't wait till the baby is born because this little baby will grow up and maybe in the teenage years, later on in their lives, they maybe have a moment of rebellion where the enemy tries to attack. But if she has forsay, you give her forsay on your little one already in the womb, do not wait. And you give her forsay, you permit her to be mother of this little one and she will be there throughout the years of trial and difficulty and uh, the rebellious years, there be something in the life of this person, no matter how crazy they go or wild they go, uh, or rebellious they grow, Mary is there and she's got a hold on this person that the enemy cannot take away. Though he will try and try, because we know his tactics. <clears throat> uh, so that's very important. I think today is so very important. Consecrate the babies in the womb. Consecrate them when they're born to her. Consecrate your, your marriage to her, your families to her. Consecrate your village, your church. When I was in Christ Church, New Zealand, I got the bishop to come out to our church to consecrate the church, our church, to our Blessed Lady. Because you know what uh, Fatima, Our Lady said to the children, she spoke about the trial and tribulation that will come, the wars, etc. If mankind did not stop sinning and offending God, it was then, in 1917, it was close to the end of the First World War, and Our Lady told the children, the little children, that this war will soon come to an end, but if mankind does not stop offending God, sinning and offending God, there will be another war, a worse war. And that happened, the Second World War. And she also told them that in the end, my immaculate heart will triumph. And she said, I've come to this earth because God has wanted consecration to my immaculate heart. That's the very thing at the cross that Jesus wanted for John, for every one of us. And she comes back again and again, again and again in Fatima and Lourdes or wherever. She comes back again and again, reminding us of the words of Jesus at the cross, that we consecrate ourselves to her. <clears throat> and in fact, she asked in Fatima that the world be consecrated, everything, that the Pope and the bishops and all the faithful would consecrate themselves to her because she is the Queen of Peace.
Remember this ocean of peace? This, uh, in the book of Revelation, this ocean of tranquility and peace, her immaculate heart, when we consecrate ourselves to her, our parish and the world, to her peace, she's the queen of peace, then there will be peace in the world. We have to make this consecration individually, every one of us, and maybe on this uh, mission school here, we should make an individual consecration and a collective consecration, and each one of us consecrate our families to her and our parish to her, and we, we can consecrate also Australia to her. Why wait for anybody else? We can do it. <laughs> before we leave here in these 10 days that she will have her hand on, her, on us that we have the, the strength of our blessed lady who crushed the head of the serpent with our heel we want that to happen in us because clearly we live in a world today which is clearly under the influence more and more of the enemy, of Satan. His uh, presence is more manifest now than ever. But his reign will soon end. The Immaculate Heart of Our Lady has already begun. Where has it begun? It has begun in the hearts of those consecrated to her. We don't wait for some extraordinary event. It's begun already in a very hidden way by the little ones, her children, who are consecrating themselves to her and there's a power rising up which will soon break the, the stronghold of the enemy. You wait and see. There may be war also. Who knows? There was a, The Second World War happened. I don't know if the people today are better than the people of 1917. We see this collective, country after country, rebellion against God, writing God out of the constitutions. So there has to be a purification. So no matter what happens, if there is another, if there is a war, we don't know. I don't know. But there will certainly be a purification of the world. I'm sure of that. So where will we be? Are we ready for heaven? The place to be is in the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And not to forget the words of Jesus. Behold your mother. She's your mother. And take her into yourself. Into your being. Like St. John. So that you can live deeper. This our Christian life our relationship with Jesus, that we can be ready for heaven whenever that happens. At Fatima, Our Lady asked for five uh, consecration to the five first Saturdays of the month. Where would we go to Mass? You don't go to confession or within the octave. Uh, say the rosary and meditate uh, for 15 minutes uh, on her sorrows uh, in reparation to the wounds caused to immaculate heart by ungrateful men. And today there is people 
making movies and film, which people tell me about, uh, which are sacrilegious movies and films about our Blessed Lady. Uh, I, I saw a, a priest one time, a very holy man, uh, speaking about this weeping and weeping and weeping during, during his homilies because of the sacrilegious films that are being laid, made about our Blessed Virgin Mary, our Mother Mary. So she's asked for this uh, five for Saturdays, and there are promises attached to it. If we make five for Saturdays, five for Saturdays of the month, uh, as I said, to make reparation to our Blessed Lady, whose heart is so wounded. Remember the words of Simeon, a soul will pierce your heart too. That soul pierced her heart when she gave Jesus back to the Father and she accepted us in return. What an exchange she had. And at the cross, when Jesus said to her, Behold your son, all of us, we are there. And Jesus asking Mary a heroic, heroic act of obedience uh, for a fiat to love us, to love John, and to love every one of us with the same love that she loves her son. And Mary makes this heroic act of obedience to Jesus. This is our fiat at the cross. She accepts every single one of us, everybody redeemed by Jesus by the blood of the Lamb. So we, that we love her, so we want to make reparation to her. We weep for the sins, for the sacrilegious things that said and done against our Blessed Mother Mary. So we consecrate to her, ourselves to her. We give ourselves to her because we love her and because we want to love Jesus more and more and we want to break any chains of the enemy. We want to be like her, that we belong totally and completely to God. And the best way to do this is to belong to her. She's been given to us by Jesus. So we say to Jesus, when he gives her to, to us, we say, fiat. We say, yes, we receive her into ourselves. So we say, glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. That was Father Anthony Mary Pendergast with My Soul Magnifies the Lord. This talk was recorded at the Immaculata Mission School 2019 at the Glennie School in Toowoomba, Queensland. To hear more talks from Immaculata Mission Schools from years gone by, and to hear other great Catholic talks, interviews and shows, head over to cradio.org.au.